Hello, I'm Jamie Costello, the founder and CEO of Clothogenics. I'm glad you decided to listen today. In the next four episodes, Dr. Michael Gallitzer, a leading integrative physician and author of the new book, Outstanding Health, will give you a simple step-by-step roadmap to achieving outstanding health. This is the program I wish I knew when I began my journey towards optimal health. When I turned 45, I had low energy. I was tired at mid-morning and again at mid-afternoon. I was not consistently productive at work or in my life, and I lacked the day-to-day focus on my priorities. In addition, my memory was becoming foggy at times. I knew I needed to get help to correct this before these conditions got worse and turned into my long-term reality. I shared my concerns with my physician. He ran a number of blood tests that showed that I was apparently okay for my age. He told me that how I was feeling was just normal aging. I did not want to accept this. I wanted my youthful energy and vigor back. The treatment plan my physician proposed would fix any abnormal results. However, what about my low energy and cognitive issues I was experiencing? He did not give me a plan to improve these areas or to optimize my health because there was nothing abnormal about me. If I wanted to regain my youthful energy and vigor, I needed to figure out my own plan. This began my journey to optimize these results and my health. When I began the journey, I did not have the roadmap Dr. Gallitz and I are going to give you today. I tried many different ideas and tested them to see whether they achieved the results I wanted. Some did and some did not. It was a process of trial and error. In these episodes with Dr. Gallitzer, we will give you the roadmap I did not have. You will learn the simple ideas and the cutting edge discoveries you need to be to be proactive in your health and to regain your youthful energy and to look and feel years younger. So let's get into it. I'll be back at the end of the show with some more details. For me, Dr. G has become instrumental in my personal health journey. And because of that, I wanted to introduce him and his practice to all of you today. Michael, welcome and thank you for agreeing to share your plan for outstanding health with us today. Jamie, it's great to be with you today. Yeah, I I think this will be a lot of fun. Well, first of all, tell me your story. How did you get to where you're at today? Was there an event or situation? Why did you move from emergency medicine to what you're doing now? Well, I was a board-certified emergency room doc, Jamie, for about 15 years in Los Angeles. Uh, Those were the days when there were no trauma centers, so the traumas went to the nearest hospital. And it was uh, it was quite an experience uh, working there in those conditions. But after a while, uh, it's a difficult job. 24-hour shifts, uh, lots of life and death, and uh, and the patients really weren't the highest priority. It was the hospital, then the doctor serving the hospital, then the patients. So uh, the politics of the ER were uh, were very different uh, in those days. And uh, the average life of an ER doctor was really about eight years. Uh, so I did manage for 15 and uh, got burnt out, was looking for a change, came across a uh, clinic that was looking for a doctor to do general practice in nutrition. I knew all about uh, general practice and being an ER doc. I really didn't have a clue about nutrition, so I figured I'd learn it. Uh, so I read books, took courses, uh, listened to tapes, got a nutritionist, started doing all these blood tests. <laughs> Nobody got any better. And one, yeah. one of the people that didn't get better at the time was my best friend. 
who in the course of running these new blood tests found out that he had mercury toxicity uh, from the silver fillings in his teeth that were leaking over time. So I heard the expert talk from out of town. Uh, he was Hal Huggins from Colorado and asked him who I could refer my friend to locally uh, to get the fillings changed. And in those days, you do a blood test, like a food allergy test, to find out what metals were compatible with the patient's blood to put back into the uh, teeth once the mercury was removed. And I sent uh, my friend to this dentist referral, and uh, he came back saying, well, you wouldn't believe this dentist, but he had this machine, and he was tapping my finger, uh, measuring skin resistance, and he had all these files of different metals, and he was able to tell me which metals were compatible with my body and which metals were not. Well, the results exactly matched the blood tests. And so, therefore, I said, well, if you could figure this out without a blood test, uh, just by uh, tuning into the skin resistance, I want to meet this dentist. So, yeah. dentist basically told me about uh, these people from Europe that were giving a course. Uh, Roy Martino was the name of the doctor. Uh, and uh, the course was in four weeks. So I went and took the course. This was late 1986. And uh, Roy and I became good friends and I uh, learned basically this whole technique of uh, electrodermal testing, which led into what's called energy medicine. Amazing. That was 30 years ago. I guess, yeah, 30 years ago, exactly. 30 years ago. And out, we were really out there in those days. I think we're still thought of being as well out there in these days because uh, the concept of energy medicine really isn't, uh, uh, there's not an awareness about this in our present uh, society. Yeah, well, I know just in my own journey, uh, all these new ideas in medicine, your normal physician really isn't equipped to handle and uh, you really can't talk to him about it. If you tell him the 15 different blood tests you took to determine if you have optimal health, they just kind of look at you and wonder why. Sort of the old thing about uh, why do you take supplements? Um, I don't know, because I heard they were good, uh, but your physician generally doesn't believe in them. <laughs> so crazy. Well, so tell me, why did you write the book? Obviously, it's a it's a big task to write a book, and... What were you hoping, who were you reaching out to with the book? Well, the book was intended for anybody to, uh, who wants to uh, create outstanding health in their life. But titled it Outstanding Health because basically uh, people really don't want to live to 100, but people want to feel great. So people really want outstanding health. Uh, people want to be outstanding in whatever they do. They want to be outstanding as a parent. They want to be outstanding in their job. Our society rewards outstanding. We give Oscars, we give Emmy Awards, we give gold medals uh, at the Olympics. So uh, we all really want to be outstanding in, in, in our lives. And more importantly, I think people really want to have outstanding health. And uh, the problem with or the challenge in dealing with traditional medicine is that medicine defines health as the absence of disease. Whereas uh, in our kind of medicine, uh, we see health on one end and disease on the other. And a lot of people are in between. They have symptoms. They're tired. They can't sleep well. They have digestive issues. Those are not really signs of diseases because they have normal blood tests and normal x-rays, but they are not signs of health. So the book is geared to anyone and everyone who wants to feel their best all the time. Yeah. Well, one of the things I really liked in the book is it was a complete plan. You know, it wasn't take this pill or do this exercise or do this one thing. It was really a roadmap uh, that starts at the beginning 
and uh, it leads you to a complete plan to outstanding health. And in fact, I've enjoyed the book so much. Uh, if you looked at my Amazon account and saw all the different shipping addresses I've sent it to, uh, you'd be amazed. So I, I really think it's a, a fantastic job and a great book. Now, one of the things in the book you start out with that I thought was interesting is a health questionnaire. Um, and I've posted this on our website, and I encourage our listeners to do this short self-examination of your current health. But I thought it was interesting you put this questionnaire in the book, and in the very beginning, what were your thoughts? Well, the thought really is uh, is that uh, the concept of energy medicine, it's really, uh, we started off by about asking people to evaluate their energy. Uh, because number one, health is energy. Uh, and number two is, is that there's an energetic level to the body uh, that uh, we're aware of, uh, but most of them don't realize it can be measured. So again, let me a little recap here. Traditional medicine looks at the body from a physical point of view and also from a uh, uh, chemical point of view. So we do x-rays, CAT scans, biopsies, MRIs to look at structure. We do blood tests uh, to look at the chemical level. But the electrical level correlates to how people feel. And so if you looked at your body as an orchestra and the organs and glands are instruments in that orchestra, some of them are sluggish and some of them are strong. Again, the key is to get everything as strong as possible. So this concept of energy uh, seemed to me the most important thing. How do we feel? That's an energetic component. You can't really measure that on a blood test. Uh, so the questionnaire is really supposed to make people aware of their bodies, their energy, their feelings, their emotions, and also the lifestyle issues uh, that really, really support outstanding health and also can uh, interfere with outstanding health. That makes sense. Now, in addition to that, I know uh, there are some baseline tests, uh, the more, maybe not all of them completely standard, but some important tests that you like to see in people to analyze their current health, you know, whether they're blood tests, saliva, stool tests. Uh, where, where do you like to start in, in that area? Well, most people are really very comfortable with getting blood tests. Uh, most doctors uh, these days do use blood tests. And, uh, you know, I find that uh, the more comprehensive we can get these blood tests, uh, if we add a few different things to it, uh, we can get a lot more information. So besides a normal white blood cell count or cell, a CBC count and some blood chemistries, we want to go a little further. We want to look at uh, things like CRP or uh, C-reactive protein as a measure of inflammation in the body. Uh, we want to look at ANA as a measure of autoimmunity in the body, uh, vitamin D levels, blood types. Uh, you know, a lot of people are into uh, eating right for their blood type. I think there's some validity to that. Uh, so there's a bunch of, and the hormonal uh, blood tests are very, very important. We want to know their uh, baseline DHEA, their baseline uh, cortisol levels, their vitamin D levels, uh, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, prolactin, and insulin. So the hormonal tests are extremely important, and uh, and the regular blood chemistries that we've tweaked a little bit, homocysteine level, a ferritin level, uh, are very are very uh, gives us a lot of information. Now, in terms of the uh, lipids, you know, everybody's fascinated with cholesterol, and uh, I find that not to be that fascinating. Uh, 
when I was an intern, the normal cholesterol was 300. Now the normal cholesterol is under 200. Uh, so, uh, but what one really needs is an advanced lipid panel. That means that everybody's concerned about their LDL, the bad cholesterol level, being too high. But in reality, it's the size of the LDL molecule that's more important than the total number level for the LDL. So if you've got a small LDL, those molecules can get inside the blood vessel and cause a problem. But if your LDL particles are large, there is no problem. So you can have a high LDL with high uh, with large uh, LDL particles and not be at risk. So you really can't see that on a traditional uh, lipid panel. You really need an advanced lipid panel. So we'd like to include an advanced lipid panel so that people can get the real truth about their cholesterol. Yeah, I find a lot of those tests interesting in two areas. One is that uh, when you have them done with your normal traditional physician, he's just concerned whether or not you're within the standard reference range uh, for this broad age of people. And if you ask him, uh, well, which side of the range should I be on to be more optimal? Uh, they don't know. And then number two, they really don't have time to discuss it with you because they have no intention of treating you to become optimal and so it was, it's very difficult for someone like me who's really interested in achieving optimal health to uh, figure out what those optimal health results are. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I completely agree with you in terms of uh, being optimal. We see this mostly with or frequently with uh, men and their testosterone levels. There's a huge range in uh, a normal blood testosterone level from about uh, 300 to 1,000. And a lot of people come in uh, to me and say, well, my testosterone level is 350. My doctor says it's okay, but that really isn't okay. And, uh, we, you know, we, under, we know that testosterone prevents heart disease. You're less likely to uh, uh, have premature death with a uh, high testosterone level. And so we'd like to get that 350 more like six or 700. And so there's a great example of... Uh, a large range where uh, suboptimal really is not in the patient's best interest. By the way, in addition to the blood tests, uh, I find that saliva tests are very important for to look at the adrenal hormones, DHA and cortisol. And we usually have these people do saliva tests every four hours, so 8 a.m., noon, 4 p.m., 8 p.m., midnight, and 4 a.m. And you can really get a lot of information about one's uh, adrenal status through saliva tests, and probably much more accurate than blood tests, because uh, when somebody's coming with you in a needle at 8 o'clock in the morning fasting, your cortisol level is going to go up. And yeah. uh, we find that the saliva tests are much more uh, indicative of uh, adrenal health than a blood test is. And so we, we do saliva a lot for adrenal health. I put together this special series of conversations with some of the leaders in integrative healthcare to give you the tools I used to achieve optimal health. If you want to regain your youthful energy and look and feel years younger, my company, Clothogenics, can apply the discoveries in gene science to your genetic profile to determine the best diet, supplements, and exercise program for your body and its metabolic factors. We analyze 260 different gene variants to prepare a truly individual program for you for diet, exercise, supplements to achieve optimal health. You also get a 90-minute consultation to discuss your program, and we can arrange follow-up consultations 
to answer questions, provide updates, and to discuss your progress. Call me today at 1-866-761-7773 or go to my website, clothogenics.com, K-L-O-T-H-O-G-E-N-I-C-S to find out how easy it is to get your genetic profile and get started. There is no better way to achieve your health goals than this. And I know a lot of the tests are geared also to uh, test for inflammation. And I guess one of the things that uh, along my journey I never really knew is that, uh, you know, I always thought inflammation uh, would manifest itself in some way that I could visually see it. But in fact, uh, you can have chronic sub-level inflammation that's really shortening your life. And a lot of these tests can measure that inflammation. And so it's important to uh, to determine if you have any right now. Yes. Uh, you know, the set rate, ESR, is at the test of inflammation. The uh, uh, cardiac CRP is another test of inflammation. You can actually look at the blood test, uh, a CBC, and look at the different types of white blood cells. There's a monocyte, an eosinophil, and a basophil. And if you add the percentages up in monocytes plus eosinophils plus basophils and it's greater than 10, that's also a sign of inflammation, even if the CRP and the SED rate are normal. So there's a lot of uh, information that can be gotten if you look a little closely at some of these blood tests. Uh, again, inflammation is important. Uh, you know, I liken inflammation to a car that overheats. Uh, and... Uh, you know, the treatment uh, for the car that's overheating is water. There's a water issue, and uh, and usually uh, there's a leak somewhere in the, in the you know, in the uh, water system in the car. And eventually, uh, if the car continues to overheat, uh, the engine becomes dead, so to speak. The car doesn't work as efficiently as possible. So chronic inflammation over time will reduce the cell's ability to create energy. And... Uh, and at that point, uh, antioxidants are really not the treatment. Uh, so it's like an antioxidants to water on an overheated car. Antioxidants are great in the beginning for inflammation, but as inflammation continues, uh, the engine gets cold. Uh, the body produces less energy. The cells produce less energy. And uh, that really uh, requires a completely different type of therapy called oxidative therapy, where uh, intravenous vitamin C, intravenous hydrogen peroxide, uh, some people using intravenous ozone to kind of energize and heat up the body. And, again, that's one of the real problems with our challenges in treating uh, people like over the age of 65 and 70. They just don't have enough energy. And sometimes you've got to use these intravenous therapies to actually increase their energy. Well, so we've gotten people to uh, to do the questionnaire and assess how they feel today. Now your book describes six steps to the journey to outstanding health, first preparing your mind, then cleansing your body of toxins, adding proper nutrition and gut health, adding proper exercise and sleep, regenerating your body with energy medicine, and hormonal happiness. So there are only six steps, uh, but it seems like you believe each one needs to be done in this specific order. And I was struck that your first step, uh, and I, I found it very interesting, is for the listeners to uh, 
go out there and cleanse and fortify their mind. And I know attitude makes a big difference in outcomes in sports and in health. So obviously this is the first step. Yeah, I think you've got to really uh, pay a lot of attention, Jamie, to uh, one's attitudes, one's feelings, uh, their emotional state. Uh, and I think that uh, most people tend to just say, well, uh, you know, patient, a patient goes sees a doctor and the doctor says, well, your blood tests are normal and your x-rays are normal. And the patient says, well, I feel lousy. And uh, the doctor will then say, well, you know, you're all stressed out. I can give you an antidepressant or uh, take a vacation. Uh, so the bottom line is, is that stress is, as much as I hate to use that word, stress is a, uh, a major issue and it's really a perceptual issue. It's, uh, how do we perceive our environment? It's what, how we perceive the events that happen to us as opposed to uh, the actual events. So getting one's head in order, mind in order, emotions in order, beliefs in order, I find extremely important. And I, I find that uh, really want to start with one's purpose. You know, what is your purpose in life? Why are you here? What's your dream? A lot of people say to me, well, you know, I don't really know my purpose. Uh, and I say to them, well, what's the first thing you wanted to do when you were a kid? That's an example of maybe start thinking about that. Or uh, if somebody gave you a billion dollars and said improve the world, how would you do it? Or what out there do you have such a burning desire for that you would pay to do? And I think if you looked at those three things, you might get a sense of uh, maybe your purpose. Or another thing you can do is make a list of uh, one column, your gifts, and the other column, what you really enjoy and try to match your highest gifts with what you really enjoy to find your purpose. But I find that if people know or are tuned into their purpose, I find that's a huge advantage. Uh, I think that also that uh, passion is key. You've got to be excited about life, or you've got to at least be excited about uh, certain things in your life if you're not excited about your whole life. Uh, so focusing on purpose and passion and also being grateful. I think is a stepping stone. Uh, yeah, I ask people what they're grateful for, and they're very quick to respond. Uh, but the bottom line is they're responding to me, but do they really think about what they're grateful for when they wake up in the morning? Or do they think about being grateful in their gratitude during the course of the day? I'm not sure, but I think that if one has purpose, passion, and gratitude, uh, that gives, you know, goes a long way to helping uh, one achieve outstanding health from an emotional point of view. Well, I know that... Uh you have to believe whenever you start anything, if you're in a serious exercise program, you you have to believe for athletes they can win. Otherwise, they wouldn't go through the trouble. Or if you're trying to lose weight, you have to believe you can lose weight. Otherwise, you'll never be able to lose weight. And along the way, you have to uh, have that uh, indication that you're succeeding. And there have been a lot of books written uh, about our belief system. One I know that's popular today that was written in 1937 is Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Uh, and there was another one written recently, The Secret, in 2006. And both of those books ask you to accept and believe it'll come true. Um, and it helps us to eliminate those preconceived beliefs that are limiting factors in our Success, And I know a lot of physicians uh, sometimes tell their patients um, as you get a little bit older, well, that's kind of what you can expect, Joe. You're X number of years old now, and uh, this is what happens at your age. Or, Mary, you, you're not a kid anymore. You should slow down a little bit. So we do have a lot of limiting language 
in uh, healthcare, don't you think? We do. Uh, we have a lot of limiting language, a lot of limiting beliefs, and uh, you really, unfortunately, when doctors tell these things to patients, Jamie, uh, patients never seem to forget them. Uh, so again, I think that uh, there's this responsibility uh, of doctors to uh, to help patients be hopeful. You know, I think ultimately, uh, you know, I'd like to tell my patients that you really need to make friends with your past, focus on the present, and be optimistic about the future. So I think one of the real key things that a doctor can do is actually to be promote hope, promote optimism. And uh, I think when the doctor believes in the patient, the patient believes in the doctor. So the doctor's belief in the patient's health is much more important, I think, than the patient's belief in the doctor. So I would encourage uh, everybody to go out there and, Spread the word. I mean, a great example is a guy walks into a doctor's office and he says, uh, uh, doctor says, well, you have lung cancer. And, uh, you know, there's a 10% chance that you'll be alive in five years, 90% that you won't. And, you know, most patients will walk out of that office uh, going, well, you know, better get my affairs in order, just like my doctor told me. But the bottom line is, is why can't the patient start thinking, well, what if I'm in the 10%? And unfortunately, it's the doctor's attitude at that time that prevents the patient from thinking about being in it. So the gloom and doom that uh, a lot of practitioners out there, uh, and I don't know why they do it, it's certainly not from a malpractice point of view, I think needs to end. And I think we really as doctors are responsible for giving hope to patients all along the way. Yeah. Well, it seems like to me a lot of people, obviously, with disease and uh health conditions that are debilitating have fear and uh, you know being an optimist is all, always tough you know I know my dad had dementia I have a fear maybe it's a possibility for for me uh, and sometimes you know that can create worry but I guess also it can create detachment where I just some people want to stop trying and I know your wife and you um sort of deem this the pleasure freeze response where people do just stop trying. Yeah, that was a, a term my wife uh, coined, uh, and I think very aptly, is that basically in our society we will either move uh, towards pleasure or away from pain given the choice. And given the choice of moving uh, towards pleasure away from pain, we'll really move away from pain immediately. That's kind of like the default. You know, the drug companies only know that too well because uh, there are a lot of medications out there to relieve one's pain, whether it be a headache or abdominal pain or any or emotional pain. So, uh, but when presented with repeated pain, uh, people will tend to detach as a way of not feeling the pain anymore. And so that's really what, you know, they freeze in their emotional state, uh, which ultimately can be very harmful too. So the pleasure freeze, which was a uh, term coined by my wife, Dr. Janet Ranicki, uh, to identify that, that issue. But fear, you know, you touch on fear, and, uh, you know, we have major fears. We fear disease, poverty, illness, uh, criticism, uh, ill health. Uh, but we also fear change. Uh, you know, uh, we have an instrument in the office that, uh, called the NUCOM, and, uh, when I describe it to people, and it's basically it's to help one reduce stress, you know, I say, well, listen, this is going to change your state. You're going to feel less stressful. You're going to feel great. And I've had a few people that decided not to do it. 
because isn't that funny? They didn't. They were afraid of the change. So on a certain level, we're you know sometimes we're afraid to change, or we're hesitant about the change, we're unsure about things, uh, we don't trust. And uh, so I've had a few people that said, no, 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 I, I don't want to. Well, I, I think maybe I won't be able to drive. Or I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know about this. I got to be somewhere. So it's it's kind of funny that uh, sometimes we fear change, and uh, which is unfortunate, but. You know, uh, we try to guide people up or try to reassure people that change really isn't a bad thing. So, Michael, for those out there who want to purchase the book or who want to contact you about being a patient, can you give our listeners a website and your contact information? Sure, Jamie. You can contact me. Uh, you can buy the book and contact me at, uh, by going to drgalitzer.com, D-R-G-A-L-I-T-Z-E-R.com. And that's a great way to uh, see what I do and see what's on the website and uh, get more information about uh, the kind of work that I do. Perfect. Thank you for that.